Mark chapter 4, verse 35, okay? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I'm reading this morning out of the New King James Version. Let me read these next four or five verses of Scripture to you. On the same day, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. And the Bible says, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was. And on the other little boats also they were with him. And a great windstorm, would you say that with me? A great windstorm. I know you got your mask on, but go ahead and say it with a little authority. Say, a great windstorm. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> the Bible says a great windstorm arose and waves beat against the boat so that it was already being filled. But when, excuse me, but he, that is Jesus, was in the stern. Not only was he in the stern, but he was asleep on a pillow. Let's, let's kind of draw this picture for a moment. Let's illustrate the picture. Now, all of the times I've gone to Israel, I've never been in a boat on the Sea of Galilee that big. I've been on a boat, thank you, sir. I've been on a boat in the Sea of Galilee many, many a times. I can show you pictures of so many different groups, right? And, but these boats are smaller boats. We have praise and worship, we sing, it's a glorious time, the Holy Spirit meets us. It is a phenomenal experience you'll never forget being on the Sea of Galilee, having straight up praise and worship. You, it's, just been, it's awesome. But this was not that type of boat. This would have been a larger vessel, okay? A larger boat, so to the place, he could have actually went inside and under, being near the storm, the stern, and the Bible says, not only was he sleeping, but Casimir, he had a pillow. Probably like you this past Friday night when I was on a call with all of our leaders, men, ministers, uh, elders, and pastors, and wannabe ministers, and I said, come on, brother, and uh, didn't hear a word from you. But, uh, but, but, but I understand, if Jesus could sleep on a pillow, you could sleep on a pillow, right? But then again, you're not Jesus, although you want to be like Jesus, and I want to be like Jesus. I love you too, man. So let's keep going on in Scripture, right? So, so the Bible says, and they awoke him and said, hmm? Oh, now you want to preach, I see. They awoke him and said, Huh? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Mm-hmm. And then he arose and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. You can hear the song in your head, right? And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? And the Bible says, and they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Even the wind and the sea obey him. I won't preach long, I promise you today, but I really do have a word from heaven. And I want to talk to you today about seeking the God of peace in global pandemic. Seeking the God of peace in global pandemic. Let me say that again. Seeking the God of peace, right? And global pandemic. Would you say this with me? And I quote, while others panic, God will keep you in perfect peace. Say that with me. While others panic, there it is, God will keep you in perfect peace. I can't hit nobody, but how about we make it personal? Come on, say it this way. While others panic, God will keep me in perfect peace. Would you say that? Come on. Uh-huh. Let's try it one more time. Come on, wow. Come on. God will keep who? God will keep who? How will he keep you where? In perfect peace. Seeking the God of peace. 
and global pandemic. The reality is this is no normal season for not just the church, the, 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 the country, but even the world. This is not a local, regional challenge. An unprecedented, unorthodox time that we are all experiencing here, those online. So when we use the word global, this is really global. In fact, when I think about all of the things, we, we, can't, we cannot not talk about the global issues of our world. In fact, the reality of wretched racism, the blatant bigotry, prideful prejudice, and the hurtful hate of many, many evil and wicked people. COVID-19 has had its painful effect with disease, with death, and with darkness. And not just physical, but what about the mental toll? What about the emotional toll? That wasn't enough. You look today and you see the uncertainty. We're not really sure if we're still in it this for another month or two, or could be another year or two. We're not, we're really not sure. So there's uncertainty. There's the unknown. There's unsureness. And then there's insecurity. Will I still have a job this time next month? Will I still have a job this time six months from now? Will we be able to keep the house? Will I ever get a house? What about the kids? Been painful to see them not be able to traditionally graduate, traditionally going to their next higher level of education. What about all of the social events that have been so normal, but yet for the last four and a half, almost five months or so, it has been something to reckon with. The unemployment rate, the uninsured. This is a beast that we've had to contend with. And you couldn't have told us six months ago we saw this coming. We've put life, many of us, on hold because we're not quite sure what the next day looks like. Are you still with me? Let me talk to those that are online today. The reality is, if that wasn't enough in this global pandemic, we've got hurricanes coming from the south, floods in the north, wildfires in the west. Y'all still with me? We're praying this morning for Beirut, Lebanon. We're praying for those hundreds plus who lost their lives probably because of an accident. How many of y'all felt the earthquake this morning? 5.1 on the Richter scale. Yeah, you, no, 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 not Southern California, right here in Charlotte. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Let me try that again. How many of y'all felt the earthquake this morning? I, ain't, I know we ain't the only one. Hell yeah. These are very interesting times. And we've read the Bible as if it has been a book of fairy tales all our lives. And little by little, we are pulling away layer after layer saying, wow, this book is really real. Wars, rumors of war, sicknesses, diseases. And sad to say, there's still a lot of churches who has his head in the sand. Now, I remind you now, 
Jesus does make it clear. He says, when you see all of these things happening, he said, the end is not near, but it is the beginning of birthing pains that lead towards the end days. So we are living in a very, very interesting season that leads to the beginning of the end of days. Let me keep moving real quick. You know, last week, if you remember, last week we talked about touching God. You remember we talked about the importance of touch. God touching man, man touching God, man touching one another and all of that. We talked about the woman who had to issue blood for 12 years and she was going through and she went to all of the healthcare professors, all of the doctors and all of the telehealth. No one could heal her. But yes, she touches the hem of the garment of Jesus. She touches the tallit, the tassel, the prayer shawl of Jesus. And in that, she was healed. You know the story. But we also talked about the very, very important aspect that when Jesus was touched, he said, I felt power go out of me. I felt power go out of me. I, I see that as an amazing phenomenon because he's in a crowd of people. Even Peter with his bad self tries to rebuke Jesus. Ah, oh, man, how can you say somebody touched you? But Jesus, no, 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 no. This wasn't an ordinary touch. This touch was because someone touched me so to where power came out of me. If you all remember last week, we gave you three principles to remember or three principles that the church should understand regarding the importance of touch. We already concluded that touch is so very important to the natural, to the physical, to the mental, to the emotional. Man was made for touch. Husbands was made for touch. Wives were made for touch. We, want, we, we should touch one another. We should reach out and touch one another as family and as siblings. So we talked about the importance, number one, of man touching God. I just want to review and tie this to the new message. When man touches God, it happens when you're in prayer. When you praise, when you worship, when you cry out to God, when your heart breaks before God, you know what? It's okay to say, God, I'm hurting. It's all right to say, God, I'm frustrated. Anger is a second emotion. God, I'm angry, but something is causing the anger, and I want to talk to you about it. When man, or excuse me, yes, when man touches God, I believe you touch God when you're in worship, when you're in praise. Would you take a moment real quick? Turn with me to... to um, Let's go to uh, Psalm 22. Here's a very familiar verse of Scripture, but, but I had to research this Scripture because I think it's worth reading, worth understanding, and worth realizing. Let's go to Psalm 23, uh, excuse me, 22 and verse 3. You probably know this Scripture. The Bible says, But thou art holy, thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, I'm I'm reading out of the King James. I'm going old school for a moment, right? But thou art holy. Thou inhabitest. Come on, y'all say that with me. Inhabitest. Try that on the job tomorrow morning and see how long they keep you uh, uh, before lunchtime. Thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, you probably hear us in a more modern way when they lead praise and worship, when the psalmist is presiding and, 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 and provoking others to sing and minister. He abides on the praises of his people. Let me give a little, little Hebrew real quick. It won't, won't take long. But understand the word uh, uh, inhabitant comes from the word yeshab. You like that? Yeshab. It means to dwell, to abide, to live. Watch this. Be enthroned, huh? to tarry, to sit, to remain. So let's back up. Let's go back to that very simple scripture you've heard a thousand times during praise and worship. He abides on the praises of his people. He lives on the praises of his people. Watch this. He, and he is enthroned 
on the praises of his people. What does that tell you and I? Whenever you praise the Lord, whenever you worship the Lord, he comes in and he dwells. One word means sit. He literally sits on your praise. He sits. I love this word. I love this next definition. He remains on the praise. Now, you got to get up and go to work. You got to get up and go back home. You got to go into the next assignment. But he's still remaining on the praise you gave him. And this is why the devil fights you so when it comes to praise and worship. He fights you so when it comes to being on bended knees in prayer with your hands lifted before the Lord. Why? Because even the enemy knows. Well, how would the devil know? Well, you got to remember his name was Lucifer, right? You got to remember he was one of three archangels in heaven. He didn't have the responsibility as Gabriel. He didn't have the responsibility as Michael. But he had one responsibility, and that was to worship God. Now that the gifts and callings are without repentance, he has fell from heaven. By the way, he encouraged a third of other angels to go with him. He must have been a, a tremendous influencer. But the gifts he still uses through music. The gifts he understood through praise and through worship. Now, he has lost his place in heaven. And you have replaced him in heaven. You, the child of God, the 12 elders who cast down their golden crowns. I think it was 24 elders who cast down their golden crowns before him. The angels, the two-thirds that remained, they had bowed before him. Holy, holy, holy. Isaiah saw that in Isaiah chapter 6. And now you, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Psalm 8, you have made him a little lower than the angels. So you got to realize one thing. Any time you praise the Lord, Anytime you decide to worship him, it could be on the treadmill, it could be while you're washing dishes, you could be frying and turning over a pork chop, but anytime you praise the Lord, he lives, he waits, he abides, he, he remains. I will need you to understand why it's so important to touch God. And the season is this, number two, God touches man. Say that with me. God touches man. Bible says in Luke 7, 6, and 7, you appreciate this for those who are online. Oh, I wish I could be at the church. Oh, I wish I could sit on the second or third row. Oh, I wish I could be with the praise team. Oh, I just wish I could be in the house of God. But I can't right now. I got to be careful and cautious and sensitive to those who are around me with my preconditioned situation. But you know, there was a man who said, God, I'm not worthy to get close to the altar. I'm not worthy to get Jesus under my house. But if you'll send the word, if you'll send Simply send the word. Let me tell you right now, it, God desires to touch man. How many times have you read in scripture where Jesus touched the ear? He touched the eyes. He touched the withered hand. He touched the family and they were made whole again. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let him fool you. God desires to touch you right where you're at. Whether you're in the sanctuary, whether you're in South Charlotte, whether you're in South Carolina, whether you're in southern parts of the United States of America, God desires to touch you. He is not a God who is afar off. Bible says he's a very present help in the time of trouble. We call him our strong tower and the righteous run into and they're saved and they're saved. He desires, the Bible says, the psalmist made a description and an illustration of a mother hen hovering and covering over the baby chickens. He desires to cover and to hover over you. He desires to touch you. 
Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did last night, but you don't know what he did 2,000 years ago. You don't realize the life I've come from. You don't realize the life he lived and lives today. There is now no condemnation. Romans 8, 1, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't you let the enemy rob you with guilt and shame and your past. Number three, man touches man. And that doesn't start in the church, by the way. I believe man touches man, woman touches woman when it comes to family. And obviously I'm talking about a healthy, affirming touch. You got that right. Touch, talk, and time. They see, the average father spends less than 23 seconds a day speaking to his natural child. Touch, talk, and time. We want to hug everybody in the church, but can't hug our spouse. We want to carry on all these long conversations with all the guys chomping it up about sports and politics, but we can't speak to our wives. Touch, talk. And let me go down another, another aisle real quick. What about sibling? Siblings. How healthy are your relationships with your siblings? Yes. There'll be fallouts. I want to help somebody just for a few minutes. Yes, there's going to be disagreements and misunderstandings, but we kind of grew up an era with family, family, man. We're going to fall out and have a fit, but we're going to be sitting around this time as we play in spades and laughing it up like nothing ever happened. But the enemy comes in and drives a wedge. The Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren. And the more that he distances you from your sisters or your brothers, sometimes parents and children, Right? He puts a wedge in there, and the Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, this is a little agitation, a little shaking, a little disagreement, a little division, a little deserting, and, and, and then next thing you know, you've not spoke for weeks, and you've not spoke for years. How do you reconcile when it comes to serving the Lord? You can speak to your spiritual brothers and your spiritual sisters, but you don't have the courage and the conviction to talk to your own brother and sister. Remember those that are in prison, the Bible says. Do not forget those that are locked up. Some of us got family who's locked up, and we basically throwing the key away. No. You, my brothers, are the living epistle of all men. You are the open book and the open Bible that sinners will know and see until they come to know Jesus for themselves. So it starts with family. But then number two, what about the church? Do we touch enough in the church? And I'm talking about a healthy Affirming, assuring, touch. Bible says if two, touching as agreeing. That's really only one version, but Matthew chapter 18 says the best, verse 19. Again, Jesus says, I say unto you, that if two should agree on earth as touching. I know we like to say touch and agree, and then we hold hands in a circle, but that's really not what Jesus was meaning. He didn't, he didn't mean get in a circle and hold hands. Yeah, child, we need to touch and agree. But that's not really what the Scripture said. If you are touching as if you are in symphonio, agree, as if you are on the same page. I was driving to church this morning. I got to talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I am believing you today for this. I just, I, I, I know I need somebody to agree with me. I said, God, if nobody agrees, you'll agree with me. I know my wife is in agreement with me. I know my son is in agreement with me. I know my daughter's in agreement with me. So why not believe God is going to happen? 
I wonder do we estimate the power of agreement. How many married couples in the room? Married couple. Let me just see the hands of the married folk. You know of all people how powerful it is when you're on one page, one dream, one vision, one accord. But you also know the devastation of what happens when you ain't seeing that eye. Hmm? It could be over toothpaste, color of a carpet, a loan, an investment, neighborhood. It could be anything. But when, uh, uh, y'all, y'all okay, uh, uh, Elder Hunt, Sister Hunt? All right, y'all okay? Now, I, I, I wasn't looking your way. I was actually looking this way, but I just felt something. That, I'm, messing with you. I'm just messing with you. But would you not agree? Oh, by the way, by the way, congratulations on your son's first college football offer. Woo-woo! Woo! I know he's just somewhere serving, working, so faithful, wherever he may be. There he is, right there on the camera. Is that him? That's you or the other brother? I can't see behind that mask. Is that Carl? Is that uh, Carlton? Is that Neil? That's the one? His first football offer. He got money, y'all. <laughs> he got money. And it's just the first of many. Uh, y'all not clapping your hands. You don't want to pay no tuition. In 2021, I can tell you right now, right? But see, somebody was in agreement. Somebody defied the enemy in the spirit of division and said, let's come together and agree on this thing. I got to keep moving. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to spend this much time reviewing. But, 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 but touching as agreeing. What happens when you do that? Jesus said that anything that they ask, it shall be given to them from my Father, which is in heaven. For when two or three are gathered in my name, there, I'm in the midst of them. Maybe one of the reasons your prayers have not been answered is you've not found somebody to be in agreement with. Because Jesus is not about to lie in these scriptures. He's not about to tell you something that ain't true. If he said it, you could take it to the bank. Every prayer my wife and I prayed in our 20, almost eight years of marriage, every prayer we prayed and we were in agreement, we've always seen God move. Now, and that it happened when we wanted it to happen, because that's man, right? But when I look back over the journey of my life, and then areas where we were not in agreement, areas where we were not on the same page, those things weren't answered. Just think with me for a moment. You say, well, Pastor, I'm single. I don't have no wife or no husband to be in agreement with. Find another spiritual brother or spiritual sister. Find a church mother. Find an elder. Find a counselor. Find somebody that you can be in agreement with. Because Jesus makes a promise. When two or three are gathered in my name, they not have to be on Sundays. they not have to be in church. they not have to be a prayer rally. But if you're together in my name, you can count me in on the party. Let's keep moving real quick. All right, you know what? For the sake of time, let's just go back to Mark. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4. Um, I, uh, let's go back to Mark chapter 4 just for a moment here. Something interesting happens in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, they said to him, let us cross over to the other side. I heard the Holy Ghost say, tell the people today it's time to cross over to the other side. You've been moaning and groaning and belly aching, all swollen up for too long. It's life. It's called life. Challenges happen in life. Afflictions happen in life. Bad things happen in life. But you know what? There's no room for being the victim here. It's time to get up, go on with your life, and let's get on to the other side. 
See, there's something on the other side of all that you're experiencing. There's something on the other side of a season of see nothing. There's something, y'all not talking to me right now. One of the first things we hear is it's time to get up and let's go to the other side. And Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. You've been on the wrong side of this mountain, Reverend F.C. Barnes and Janet Brown, a little bit too long. You've been climbing up the wrong side of the mountain a little bit too long. And I understand part of ministry is climbing. And I understand part of being a Christian is climbing. But I don't think God intended it for you to be on the mountain all of the days of your natural life. Are you listening right now? It's time to get up and go on to the other side. I, I better keep reading. And, and the Bible says when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was. And there were other little boats. Those are the ones we sing in when we go to the Sea of Galilee. But this big boat was already being filled. Now, I don't know if you all get on boats or not, or you've ever been on a boat or not, but, man, it is not a good thing to see water coming in the boat. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. I, trust me, I know. It is not a good thing to see water coming in the boat. So you now get to ask yourself, what were these disciples thinking? What possibly could have been crossing their minds? And the Bible says it wasn't enough. <laughs> It wasn't enough for the water to be coming in the boat. But now there's this great windstorm, and the waves are beating in the boat, and the water's coming in. But he was in the stern, and not only was he asleep, but he even had a pillow. It might have been one of those my pillows. I went out and bought me one, and I love them. I'm endorsing them. They ain't, they ain't, they ain't expensive either, but uh, I like them. He had a pillow, and he was asleep. Let me bring it home real quick because my time is almost up. You know the biggest question in this whole sermon didn't come from Jesus about faith or about fear. It came from the people. They wanted to know, don't you even care about us? Don't you see this COVID? Don't you see five million people in America with cases? I don't know what the last number now, 150, 160,000 deaths. Uh, time out, hello? Don't you even care? We don't know if we're going to have health care or insurance. Jesus, we know you all that more. And we've seen some great things happen. But uh, hello, we're about to die. And you down there in, 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 in uh, Disney World dreaming about the next thrill ride. Can you kind of wake up and kind of come upstairs and try to help us in this predicament we're in? Now, you're not saying amen, so I'll say amen for you, right? You can't tell me you, with, yourself, with yourself in this room that you have not had a moment these last four and a half months and said, wait a minute, don't you even care that we're perishing here? That we're perishing? I got a business that I just started, and now it looks like it's not going to take off. We got deals with radio, recordings, albums. Could have been a worse time. Some of you... Engaged, you get to push your wedding date out. Don't you even care about our wedding? You know, you had some surgeries that were scheduled for for for, for uh, April or May or June, and you got to put that off now. <laughs> you do want me to live, don't you, Jesus? Do you not even care that we're dying? That's what they wanted to know. 
Let's keep reading the scriptures. Let's find out what happens next. The Bible says they wanted to know, did he even care that they were perishing? Verse 39, and then he rose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace. Now y'all go over there, sit down, someone be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. God, thank you for the calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you had no faith? Brother Herb, that wasn't the first time that the disciples were really in a pandemic situation. And Jesus responds. You don't have to turn there, but just write it down. Luke 24, 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be unto you. Peace, shalom. I am with you. My presence be to you. But they were so terrified and they were frightened and they supposed they had seen a spirit or it is a ghost. And he said to them, why are you so troubled? And why do you doubt in your hearts? Maybe that's the question for the hour. Why are we so troubled in pandemic time? Now we've been shouting and dancing for the last 25 years. Come on devil, come on with your stuff. Oh, I'm on and I'm dangerous. I'm highly anointed. I'm highly appointed. I've got the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, I've got the kingdom of God. Oh, the kingdom of God suffers righteousness. And the violent take it by four. I'm violent and I'm armed and I'm dangerous and I'm ready. I, I ain't heard you sing them songs in the last four months. Hmm? All those victory songs. All those devil you under my feet songs. All this I'm highly favored, blessed of the Lord song. We, I ain't heard you sing them songs in the last three, four months. You say you were built for this. You said devil bring your best shot. Well, he's bringing some shots right now. And I ain't heard nothing. You, you just as quiet as a church mouse licking ice in the corner. So, so we find out that, 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 that this wasn't the first time the church was in doubt and in trouble and dealing with all type of pandemic issues. But Jesus brings peace. I'm almost finished. Five more minutes. Jesus brings peace. You're not going to get peace on CNN. You're not going to get peace on Fox News. You're not going to get peace on the local stations. Let me talk to you. I know we all have gained probably 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds. They call it COVID pounds. But as much wonderful food we've eaten, it, it, it does help. I mean, I mean, it does. Let me, how can I say this? You know, uh, uh, I see why they call it comfort food. It does comfort from time to time. But, but, but his peace is so much more than a temporary feel-good. We spend a lot of time, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, we spend a lot of wasted time surfing the Internet, watching the lives of other people, being distracted by digital diversions, spending so much time trying to do any and everything else but seek peace from the Lord. Three things I notice Jesus does in our close. Number one, he resolves, he rebukes, he responds. He resolves, he rebukes, he responds. The Bible says he was sleeping on a pillow. He was sleeping on a pillow. Now, what does that say to you? In the storm of life, in this big global pandemic, he's able to go to bed at night. He's able to sleep through the night. Uh, earthquake, hurricane, firestorm, floods, wind. It doesn't matter to him. Why? Because he's Jesus. And all, all, obviously, he knows something no one else knows. You know what he knows? He knows it's going to be all right. We're going to make it through the flood. 
the water in the boat, the wind, the storm, the tempest, and everything else. And you have to realize right now, you have to see beyond uh, August 9th. You have to see beyond this summer 2020. You have to see beyond this season of pandemic. You have to know that one day there was a time when COVID-19 didn't exist. One day there'll be a time where this won't be a big deal anymore and you will be standing strong. You have to understand. So he's resolved, he's resolved. Write down Philippians four and six. You probably remember memorize that scripture and you should memorize that scripture. If you don't memorize any other scripture in the book of Philippians, memorize Philippians four and six. Be careful for nothing. Mm, one version, be anxious for nothing, right? Another version, be worried about nothing. But in everything, through prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request. Anybody have any requests they have? Anybody? It's okay. It's not a bad thing. Anybody have some requests? Let your requests be made known. Uh, I struggle with that every blue moon because I'm thinking, God, I don't want to treat you like a request box. I don't just want to spend time telling you all of my needs. But God said, there's no problem with that. I'm here to answer your prayer. I'm here to help. I'm a very present help. Let your request be made known unto God. I wish they had time to divert here, but don't underplay desire. The Bible says he will bless you with the desires of your heart. Sometimes we get so spiritual, so robotic, so automated. God loves you as you are. God knows you have some cares, you have some needs, you have some wants, there's some accomplishments, there's some aspirations, there's some goals you have. He knows, but tell him anyway. Because there's a big clause to that scripture, and there's a promise to that scripture. We, re we recite, remember, and rewind Philippians 4 and 6. But what about Philippians 4 and 7? Does anybody know anything about Philippians 4 and 7? Let's keep reading. And the Bible says, peace of God he will give you. I don't know what version that is, but the Bible says, and the peace of God will surpass all understanding. Not only that, but it will guard, it will guard, it will guard your heart and your mind. How are you going to make it through pandemic days? The peace of God. How are you going to make it through COVID-19? The peace of God. How do you bury a loved one social distancing? How do you not be able to visit ICU ward and still keep your sanity? The peace of God. Though a thousand fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, how are you going to make it standing and stress a success surviving and successful? The peace of God. It will pass everything your mind can't make sense of. I, I don't know if you're ready for this this morning, but, 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 but I, I've had moments in my own world these past few months. I've had moments in my own space, and I'm saying, God, this don't make no sense. Good, because there's a peace that will pass all understanding. And not only that, if you're willing to receive it, I'll make it a guard over your heart so you don't get heartbroken in this season, and I'll make a guard on your mind so you don't lose your mind in this season. But it all goes back to prayer. Why? Because prayer invokes the presence, the power, the purpose of God. Jesus was asleep. He had already brought resolve to the situation. Number two, he rebukes. He rebukes. I'm almost finished. He rebukes. Now, I'm going I'm to I'm go ahead and jump on your side with this one, all right? I wish I could be the spiritual superman and say, oh, I've got the faith to rebuke winds and rains and waves. I, I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Paul says, I haven't ascended to that part yet. But Jesus could speak to the wind. 
Jesus can speak to the water. <laughs> Bible says in Mark that he rose early in the morning before the break of light to spend quiet time with his Father in heaven. Of all of the things that the disciples saw Jesus do in his 33 and a half years on the earth, the one thing they wanted to know about was prayer. Can you teach us to pray like you? They didn't ask for miracles. They didn't ask for breakthroughs. They didn't ask how to cast out devils. Teach us how to pray. Because that's the one thing they saw him do more than anything else. Not preaching. Not reasoning in the synagogues. Not casting out devils. But they saw him praying. Why? Because it brought prayer brings peace. I wish you were with me this morning. Prayer brings peace. Not only did it bring peace, it gave him the authority and the confidence to speak to the elements. I wish we were there, but we're not. We can't get five people to come in the morning and pray on Saturday. I know we can't wins. I know we can't cast no devils out. We can do anything else under the sun. Boy, we can watch hours and hours of football. Hours and hours of binge watching Netflix. Aimless Moments watching other people's lives on Facebook. It should be called Nosy Book because it gives you a very subtle and unassuming way to find out and catch up with your exes, with your enemies, with everybody. And I know that Facebook is being used right now for ministry, and that's a great thing. But the other 80%, a lot of flesh, a lot of arguments, a lot of trivial tribalism. And you may not want to agree with me, but hear me when I say this. It is a time consumer. I, <laughs> I didn't mean but to spend three minutes checking something out on Facebook and two hours later, I'm all in the arguments. I'm all in the uh, verifications. And I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying, the, I'm not saying it's, a, it's a sinful thing. I'm not saying it's sin. It just takes so much of your time. I'm a Twitter junkie. I'll be first to I'm a Twitter junkie. I get my news from Twitter now. I don't get my news from, from, from major networks. I can hit Twitter just that fast. And if it's in five seconds and happening, it'll tell you. What's trending next? But it's so time consuming. But when it comes to prayer, we really start out good, and oh, we feel the anointing, and about 38 seconds later, we are knocked out sleep. Wake ourselves up with a snore, and then get the nerve to sound spiritual, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, talk to me. It's the truth. I wish they would have never told me about Netflix. I was doing good with our Netflix and YouTube channel, Roku, Roku, and all these digital uh, online stations. I mean, man, this Apple TV thing is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful tool to have. He rebuked the winds and the rain. Why? Because he walked with power. Are you rebuking fear right now? We may not have the faith to rebuke winds and rain. And I'll just be, I, I don't know if I have the faith to speak to COVID-19. I'm not the preacher down in Texas, 
uh, uh, Kenneth Hay, uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland. I rebuke you, COVID-19, and I'm going to blow on you. Now, Texas has been a hot spot for the last three months. I want to know how's that working out now. So all I'm just simply saying is I do have a faith to rebuke fear. And you have to speak to fear. You got to speak to premature death. You got to speak to sickness. You got to speak those things that are not as though they were. Job 22, 28. You got to decree some things. Yes. You got to declare some things, right? You have to command the morning. For he gave you power and authority. And in your mouth is the power of life and death. But we don't use the tool called the movement in the mouth. Speak life. Ezekiel, can these bones live? God only you really know. But you know what? How about speaking to the bones and see what happens? Speak to your underemployment. Speak to your next house. Speak to your husband who's not saved. Speak to your children that are seemingly being diverted. Speak life. Areas seemingly are dead. Number one, he resolves. Number two, he rebukes. Third and finally, I close, he responds. And what was the response? He said, why are you fearful? Let's stand to our feet. Why do you not have faith when you need it the most? My question to you before I close is simply this. Why are you not speaking life to situations that are around you? I cannot close this message without challenging you to have faith, okay? You've heard it said a thousand times, but I think it's very appropriate now. Either you're gonna be the, 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 the thermometer or the thermostat in this season. See, the thermostat sets the temperature, sets the environment. The thermometer adapts to the environment. So you gotta make a quick decision here. Are you going to allow this pandemic season to condition, influence, and mold you into the corner of fear and phobia? Or are you going to be that proverbial thermostat that says, I will declare, I will decree, I will speak, I will have faith, I will believe. I'll even rebuke if I have to from time to time. When you go into prayer time in your prayer closet, what is your prayer life like? Is it the whole little elementary now lay me down and sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep where I die. So I wait and pray the Lord my soul to say, I hope that's not the extent of your prayer life. Because there comes a time in warfare that you realize that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty, even to the pulling down of strong. What strongholds can I pull down right now? Strongholds of fear, strongholds of lack, strongholds of sickness. Jesus wasn't making this up when he told us these things. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but there are spiritual, spiritual wickedness in high places. Rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness. There are devils that hate you and you're dancing with them when you ought to be rebuking them. His response simply is this. Why are you fearful? And why have you no faith? And those disciples went amongst each other and said, who in the world does he think he is? Why is it or how is it that he even has the authority to speak to the winds and speak to the rain or the waves? And they obeyed him. 
friends, this may be a tough one to swallow, but God has given you the authority to bind and to lose. I know those are churchy words. In other words, he gives you the ability to release some things in prayer and to restrict some things in prayer. Satan, you are not going to have my family. I rebuke every spirit of division, every divorce, every sickness and disease. He gave you that authority. Okay? He gave you the anointing to lose, to allow, to permit some speaking healing and life and joy and unity. Life and death and the power of the tongue. And as you speak and decree and declare these things, God made a promise in Job 22, 28, it shall be established. Thank you all, praise him, for the scripture last week. You reminded me, Romans chapter 4, it has been my mainstay in this season. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through one belief. But he was fully convinced, fully convinced. And as he gave God praise, he grew stronger and stronger and stronger. Why? Because he understood the abiding, the enthroning. The, the establishing, the abiding of the praises of his people. He understood that. And because he, he got praise and worship, his faith became stronger. And so strong that the Bible says he was fully convinced that God was able to perform everything he had promised. I want you to seek God, the God of peace in a pandemic global season. You have to know him and call on him as Jehovah Shalom. He is the God of peace. And here's what I found out. Not only will he bring you peace, he is peace. Alright? Not only can you have his peace, he is peace. And when you have Jesus, you have everything you'll ever need in this lifetime. 